Welcome to the IBSC Living History Project. I'm Tom Batty, Executive Director of IBSC, and it is again a privilege to be with you to introduce this, the fifth part of the limited podcast series. In this fifth installment of the Living History Project, Bruce Collins speaks with former headmaster and IBSC board chair, Graham Abel. Graham spent 40 years teaching in independent schools, the last 21 as headmaster of Dulwich College in South London, from where he retired in 2009. It was during his time at Dulwich that Graham served from 2006 to 2009 as chair of the board of the International Boys' Schools Coalition. On leaving Dulwich, Graham served as chief executive officer of the Alpha Plus group of schools until 2014. He currently serves as deputy chairman at Alpha Plus Holdings. A keen sportsman, Graham is a member of the historic Marleybone Cricket Club, colloquially and universally known as the MCC, the emphasis being, in case anyone is listening from Melbourne. Thank you, Graham, for participating in this project and sharing your memories from your many years of rich involvement to the growth and good health of IBSC. I'm speaking to Graham Abel for this episode, and I am very appreciative of your time, Graham, and your willingness to share some insight from your perspective on the, the history of this organization that many of us um, call um, home, in a sense. So maybe we can start, Graham, by launching straight into your journey with the International Boys' Schools Coalition. Um, you know, maybe just give us a little bit of background about the years you were involved and the various roles you played within the organization. Of course. Well, I was first approached by Rick Hawley, and I think it was 1996 when I was head of Hampton School. Rick was in England trying to recruit English members to the coalition because there weren't any at the time. Um, I delayed getting involved as it, it happened at the time I'd just been appointed uh, Master of Dulwich, so I knew I was moving at the end of that calendar year, but I confirmed my interest to Rick in the project. Um, I then was obviously very busy in my first year at Dulwich, but Rick approached me again about doing a keynote speech for the 1999 Nashville conference. And this was on the English A-level league tables, which thankfully none of you in other parts of the world have ever been inflicted with, um, but there was a lot of interest in them at the time just in case. Um, I readily agreed and was very impressed by the level of discussion and research at the conference, so became a full member immediately and was actually elected to the board at um, San Francisco in the 2000 conference and continued as a board member uh, in all the conferences from then. I um, attended them all up to my retirement from Dulwich in 2009. Um, I also encouraged my colleagues to attend, and I found the, uh, the work done by heads of subject, as we would say, heads of faculty in other parts of the world, at the conferences and in the research was particularly helpful, uh, not only to my colleagues, but to all of those I spoke to across the various traditions of, of different countries. Um, I suppose during this period, I was particularly involved in the recruitment of more UK member schools, and we held the 2001 conference in Dulwich 
which is the first one held in the UK, to accelerate that process, which I think was successful because we got uh, several new English members out of that um, Dulwich conference. It was also a great honor for me to host it at my home school. Absolutely. And and I think one of the remarkable things as well of your connection with um, the organization, Graham, is that you were the first chair of the IBSC Board of Trustees from outside North America or outside the United States. I, I think in those days, the, the title was president of the IBSC. It was indeed, yes. That was, it was the, uh, the title right through to um, after I finished in, in 2009. Um, I think, um, you know, first of all, perhaps one should look at the, your second question, which you posed, and I'll come back to um, that in a minute, that the reason why the coalition was such an essential thing for member schools. And I think many independent schools in the UK, which had been traditionally boys' schools, went co-ed or were beginning to go co-ed in the years from about 1990 onwards. And thus the Headmasters Conference, which is originally an organization for boys' schools within England and, and uh, the Commonwealth, was increasingly dominated by co-ed schools. Hence, the IBSC became an increasingly attractive organization for those focusing on boys' education. And that was the message that um, we spread and, and really why um, I think the coalition became so attractive, not only to schools in England, but to schools in South Africa um, and elsewhere, India, where perhaps overseas membership of HMC had been the natural thing for them. But as HMC became more and more a co-ed organization, uh, they were looking for somewhere else that was focused particularly on boys' education. So, so what are some of those highlights, um, Graham, some standout achievements or milestones of the organization in the time that you um, were participating in things? Well, I suppose the, the thing that, that I probably would associate myself with most was the spreading of the global reach of the organization. Uh, beyond the USA and the Antipodes, which were always well represented from an early stage, to the UK, to South Africa, to Europe, India, and indeed even Japan. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing was setting up research across um, different traditions into boys' learning and getting member schools involved in action research. Um, and I think that was key to... Um, how much importance my colleagues attached, um, my heads of subject attached to the coalition. And I certainly made it um, clear that I wanted at least one head of subject to attend each conference, a different one each time. Uh, and the, the carrot for being involved in research is they could go more than once. And that's, I mean, that research program that, that started in those years has, has just grown from strength to strength. That's so many teachers and leaders in boys' schools go through that program. It's a great program. As you reflect a little, I mean, you've, you've mentioned some of the milestones or achievements of the organization, and it's lovely to hear about the global reach, and I think that's continued to be part of our vision and the research that you've mentioned. As you reflect on your personal engagement with IBSC, what are some of your cherished memories of, of your time in the organization? Well, obviously, it was a great honor actually to be asked to join the board so early on, but a particularly great honor to be elected as the first non-American chair, president as I was in those days. Um, also, I think the ability to compare approaches um, 
to boys learning across the various traditions of um, the, the different countries and continents. As, uh, it was a great way to challenge one's own thinking. Um, and too often, I think, um, one can take the status quo and say, we're doing very well, uh, and omit the next stage, which is to say, well, that's okay, but A, how do we know we're doing very well, and B, how can we do better next year? How can we change things? How can we uh, rock the boat to make it actually go more smoothly, if that makes sense? And a real highlight for me was receiving a hacker on behalf of the coalition at the start of the Hawke's Bay Conference in 2009. My daughter-in-law is a New Zealander. Um, she does actually have, I think, one sixteenth Maori blood in her. So my two granddaughters will therefore have one thirty-second Maori blood. So that was a particularly special um, thing for me. Um, and I think the the unique focus on what makes the best education for boys was something that uh, always kept me um, keen to learn more from my colleagues and and to have such. Uh, great and long-serving um, educationalists on the board in my time, you know, from Rick Hawley to Brad Goyer to Arnie to many, many others, um, was a, a great privilege. I think you mentioned, you mentioned those relationships. I think when I speak to folk around the world, those connections that people make that are, are not only on a professional level, but you know, real friendships grow as a, as a result of the organization. Yes, and I think... Um, you know, visiting other schools as well. Um, one, each head has their own different ways of doing things, but if you've ever been taken around King's Parramatta by Tim Hawkes when he was head there, that was a very special experience. Um, the world's great showman as well as one of the world's great educators. And those, those are great memories. Um, Graham, you're still involved uh, in education, and I think... In many ways, the challenges and opportunities faced by boys' schools now are possibly similar to what boys' schools were facing when the organization first birthed. You know, if you, if you had to think of the lessons that IBSC schools learned in the past, how do you think educators of boys, leaders in boys' schools can effectively address these challenges and opportunities that they face? It's a very good question. Actually, I think some of the challenges have changed subtly. Um, Coalition schools have led research into boys' education for many years now, but I think there is much more that needs to be done. There are still problems to be solved with what one might call toxic masculinity. And I think the challenge remains as to how to remove the toxic whilst retaining the positive attributes of masculinity. Um, now, all sorts of things have, have made life more difficult, I think, for um, young adults or, or young pre-adults of both sexes, of which I think probably Instagram was the biggest, particularly going forward, now that AI is taking off in a big way, how do we embrace um, new technology and AI, etc., whilst uh, preserving standards of decency and actually, let's say, encouraging good masculinity discouraging toxic masculinity and i think that's uh that probably is the biggest question at present whereas perhaps in the past we focused on how to get boys reading better i think we've probably solved that one and i remember speaking to adam cox once and he was of the opinion that the the good boys schools or the boys schools who are intentional about that work are, 
exactly the right place for many boys to learn how to live in that positive way. So in closing, I, I don't know if it's if 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 I must say you're a you're a veteran in the educational field, but you've certainly put in the hard yards, Graham, over the years. And so as we close this conversation, I'd I'd love for you to leave our listeners with some words of inspiration or guidance. Um, we have leaders and faculty members in boys' schools around the globe listening. And, and what, what would that word of word of advice or inspiration for them be? Well, I think I'd start with what we need. And we need to ensure that future generations of boys are empathetic and sensitive, yet also honest, resilient, and strong. Now, I think leading boys' schools have pioneered most of the best practices in, in education over the last 100-plus years. But by careful research and continuing to share best practice across all of our traditions and continue to continue to challenge accepted norms of, um, of what we've done in the past, I would urge all our leaders, whether school leaders or faculty-level leaders, to move forward with confidence and produce young men uh, over the coming years, the sort of outstanding young men that society surely needs, um, but to be confident that they can produce that leadership. Because if history teaches us anything, it teaches us that um, the many great voice schools there are in the world, and they're nearly all in membership of the coalition, have actually achieved that in the past. And despite the changing social conditions and social pressures, I'm confident they can continue to do it in the future. Graham, it's been wonderful to hear you speak about your time in IBSC, but I think what has struck me most is just your insights into what boys' schools and educators of boys might be facing in this current moment, and also that, that, that charge to carry the torch um, and to hand that on from previous generations who were doing good work in boys' schools to respond to what's happening in society around us and ultimately to um, grow good men out of our school spaces. So thank you so much for taking the time to share in this living history. Bruce, it's been a complete pleasure.